does not give a license to sin any more than a dead man is able to sin himself. So, how does all this work? You've got to know who you are. You've got to know who you are, okay? So, first of all, the believer has been immersed or placed into Jesus Christ. This is the first thing we as believers should know about our position in Christ. This is one of the most glorious truths in all of Scripture. Okay? We use the illustration of baptism. The meaning of baptism is, is that we are, we are, um, we as Christians are baptized, and it's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. A couple weeks ago, we had a baptism service, okay? And uh, baptism is an amazing thing. It's a symbol. Does baptism save a person? No, okay? But it's a symbol of a person being saved. And it has a great spiritual connotation that is a picture of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus himself, okay? How does all that work? I'll tell you, okay? Here's what happens. Christians everywhere agree that baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When a true believer is immersed, he is proclaiming to the world that he is being identified with Christ. By being placed under the water, he is proclaiming that he has died and been buried with Christ. By being raised up from the water, he is proclaiming that he has been raised from the dead with Christ to live a new life. Three things that are worth noting. The believer is immersed, placed into, identified with Christ in death. This is the believer's position in Christ. Very simply, if believers really died when Christ died, then you and I have died to sin and is freed from sin and its penalty and punishment. What a glorious thought. What a glorious thing to be free from sin. That's a picture of God's amazing grace. What happens is this. When a person really believes in Christ, God takes that person's faith and counts it as the death of Christ. That is, God counts the person as having died in Christ. God takes that person's faith and counts the person as participating in Christ's death. God counts and considers the person to have died in Christ's death, to be placed into Christ's death, identified with Christ's death, in union with Christ's death. When a person truly honors God's Son by trusting Him, God honors that person by spiritually placing him into the death of Christ. What is it that caused God to do so much for the believer? Very simply, His love for His Son. He loves His Son more than we could ever imagine. And that's why, that's why there's that connection. God loves His Son so much that He will do anything for anyone who honors His Son by believing and trusting you see, if the believer is counted by God as having been immersed into the death of Christ, then the believer has died to sin, has been set free from the penalty and judgment of sin, is free from sin. This means that all the rule and reign and the habits and desires of sin no longer have control over us. Sin ceases to have a place or position in our lives. We are free from sin, free from its habits, free from its control, its bondage, its enslavement, its rule, and its reign. This is basically what the Lord told me when I was studying this. Sin is no longer our natural default. You see, look, we talked about this last time. Adam's original sin stained all of mankind with sin, right? So before we came to Christ, before Christ made a way for us to be free from sin, our natural default was sin. Our natural... Think about those days before Christ. Do you remember how you used to react? When somebody wrongs you, you want to get them back. When somebody does you wrong, you want to do them worse. 
When somebody picks a fight, you want to throw the first lick. Okay? These are our natural defaults, okay? When somebody says something bad about you, you say, well, let me give you a piece of mind, okay? That's our natural default. That's sin's natural default. But when you come to Christ, your default's different. I found myself today praying for some folks that have, uh, that have treated me ill. I found myself praying for God to bless people that have done anything but bless me. Now, is that a natural default? No, okay? Okay, the natural default is you did me wrong. Oh, I got one for you, okay? I got one coming, okay? Karma is coming. I don't believe in karma. I believe in Christ, amen? And and, and guys, look, it's not about me wanting revenge. It's me wanting blessings. It's me wanting to bless others. Why? Because I've been blessed. Man, look, when you are in Christ, your natural default system is different. No longer do you want to respond to the flesh, but you want to be obedient to the Spirit. And guys, that's what this is all about. When you realize who you are in Christ, you realize you are different. You realize that He's forgiven you, so the least you can do is forgive others. Basically, it means that we no longer live in sin, the position and the place of sin. Now, we cannot live without sin, not perfectly, okay? But we are free from living in sin. We no longer practice and desire sin. Our desires have changed. Our wants have changed. Everything has changed. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says as much. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. The old has passed away. Everything. Say everything. Everything becomes new. That's our wants. That's our desires. That's who we want to please. When you were before, before Christ, you just wanted to please self. You just wanted to please others. You just wanted to please your flesh. But now that you're in Christ, you want to please God. So everything changes. Good stuff here. Galatians 2 and 20, one of the greatest scriptures ever written. Paul says, For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? That's our, that's our mantra. That's what it's all about, guys. So not only are we, we um, in the position of um, placed into the death of Christ, but we're also, as believers, immersed or placed into or identified with Christ in his resurrection. You know, guys, Easter Sunday is a great Sunday. It's a Sunday where some of you ladies are going to wear a new dress and get the right shoes and do all those different things my wife likes to do. And sometimes she'll get us to dress up, and my boys just love that. <laughs> okay? But, uh, but, 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 but we're going to do a lot of things. We're going to have a lot of activities. We're going to have a lot of fun. But let's not forget what that Sunday is really all about. It's not about Easter eggs. It's not about chocolate. <laughs> not even about that. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. It's about the one person in all of history who rose from the dead and never died again. I was reading a devotion that the scriptures talk about several resurrections. There are many folks, I think it was eight or nine in the Bible, that were resurrected from the dead. But eight of those nine died again. You know, we, we love the story of Lazarus. Now, Lazarus, come forth, and he came forth. But there was still a funeral for Lazarus. Years later, there was a funeral. There was only one funeral for Jesus. 
And it was a temporary one at that. Amen? He didn't have to buy no tomb because he was just borrowing it for three days. Okay? He was resurrected and never died again. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, guess what? It dwells in us. It dwells in me. It dwells in you. It dwells in you, Kate, and Alicia, and Dawn. It dwells in all of us. And because it dwells in all of us, we can live free from sin. We can live above sin. You see, we have been identified with his resurrection. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. stuff. Good stuff. So, guys, two significant points there. Number one, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. This tells how our glorious position in Christ happened. It happened by the glory and the power of God. The glory of God means all the excellence of God, all that he is, and all his might and power, love, grace, mercy. You know, I was, uh, I'm working on my, my message for Sunday, and and, and I'm, I'm using, the Lord spoke to my heart about sometimes we just don't Jesus for who he really is. And you know, he showed me a couple places in the scripture that you can go and get a little head start for Sunday. Go to Isaiah chapter number 6. There's a picture of what Jesus really looks like. Go to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 19. Those are pictures of the real Jesus, okay? Not the watered-down, politically correct version that is so popular in churches today. We need to get a picture of the real Jesus, amen? I love Pastor Paul's message on Sunday morning when God roars, okay? God doesn't whimper. God roars, okay? If God whispers, it's for your benefit, not his, okay? He's God. And we need to get a real picture of who Jesus really is. This is the Jesus that rose from the dead. Consider what Paul told the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6 and 14. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. 2 Corinthians 13 and 4. For though we... He was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. God's purpose for raising us up with Christ is dynamic and meaningful. It involves walking in a whole new life. The word walk means to walk about, walk step by step, to control and order our behavior, to constantly and habitually walk in newness of life. Think about it for a moment. When Christ died, he laid aside his old life and left it behind him. Therefore, when he arose, he took on a totally new life, a changed life, a resurrected life. It is his new life, his changed, resurrected life that is given to us. In the Bible, the word new often carries the idea of purity, righteousness, holiness, and godliness. See, guys, you as believers, you and I as believers have received a new birth. We've been born again. We've received a new heart. That stony heart has been taken out, and a one of flesh, a soft heart that can be molded and shaped by God has been replaced. We've become a new creature. I shared with you 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, and we've become a new man. Amen? I'm not the same man that this girl met some 30 years ago in high school. I'm not that same guy. Okay? I'm not even the same guy I was when I was a youth pastor 15 years ago. Okay? Now, I'm still in Christ, but I'm just a little closer to him. Praise God for that, huh? 
Aren't you glad that you're getting closer to Christ? Aren't you glad that you're getting farther away from the world and closer to Christ? That's a good thing, guys. God's very purpose for placing us or placing us in the resurrected life of Jesus is that we might walk in Christ, walk in His power, walk in His righteousness, walk in His authority. Here's a key. Ephesians. I'm sorry. Galatians chapter number 5, verse 16. Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Also, Colossians 2 and 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Finally, the believer is immersed, placed into or identified with the most glorious hope that he shall be planted in the very likeness of Jesus' resurrection. What does this mean? It means just as Jesus is raised to a new life, so will you and I. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in our sins, God has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and has raised, up to get, raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As Jesus is raised to live with God, so shall you and I be as, also, as well. 2 Timothy 2 and 11. It is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, identified with his death, we shall also live with him. So the second area that we need to realize is that believers, the old man was crucified with Christ. This is the second thing we as believers should know about our position in Christ. Okay? It is a once and for all act that we have been crucified with Christ. He took our old man to the cross and with him when he died. The old man is our old self, our old sinful nature, the way we used to think, the way we used to act. Our old man means our old life without God, that old sinful nature that is immersed and now identified with Christ in his death and resurrection. No three points about the old man. That old man was crucified so that the body of sin might be destroyed. You know, I, I read in commentaries that that picture is one that would be very common in the Roman world of that day. In those days, one of the, the punishments for murderers was the person that they murdered would be strapped onto the killer. So let's say, let's say I, 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 I killed you, Kate. No, no offense, okay, don't take it personal, okay? What they would do is they would strap your body to mine. And now I've got to carry that around, okay? Now, in those days, there was no way for me to get that off you, so the body would begin to decay. And, and, and I have to live with the, 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 the consequences of my choice. And eventually, the disease and the rot of that dead body would begin to affect my body, and I would die a slow, gruesome death. That's what the Romans did as punishment. And that's the picture that Paul gave that Jesus has set us free from. Because we deserve to carry that guilt. We deserve to carry that body of death. We deserve to, to die the gruesome death. But Jesus took our place, and he set us free from that. And that's reason to get excited, amen? That's what Easter Sunday is really all about. That Jesus came not only to, to defeat death, hell, and the grave, but to, come, to, to, to walk in newness of life so that we can walk in newness of life. But that old man, that body of sin, was a picture of what, of what people had seen in the Roman Empire. They understood that, that illustration that Paul was using. And Jesus came to set us free from that. Amen? Good stuff. The 
consider what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 2 Corinthians 4 and 11. For we which that live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. The old man was also crucified to enable and empower us as believers to renounce sin. As believers, we are not to serve sin. We are to renounce it, knowing it's been crucified and put to death by Christ. By the power of the cross, sin is not to be served. It's to be renounced. It's to be rejected. It's to be conquered. Galatians 5 and 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts thereof. Colossians 3, 3 and 5. For you were dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication and cleanliness, inordinate affection, evil, compucious, and covetousness, which is, which is idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is anything we put before God. Let that sink in. Idolatry is anything that we put before God, anything that takes the place of God in our life. Well, we've seen a lot of people do that, huh? We've done that before. But aren't you glad you're different? The clearest of all illustrations finally is given to show the believer's position now in Christ. He is not to serve sin because he is dead. He has been crucified with Christ. As a dead man is free from sin, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, our belief is counted as righteousness. Our belief makes us acceptable to God once and for all. And it does something else just as wonderful. It gives us constant access to the presence of God as we walk about day by day. Do you know that you can, you can not only experience the presence of God right here in this building, but you can experience at home? You can experience it at Walmart. You can experience wherever you go because you carry the temple of the Holy Spirit everywhere as you go. Why it's important you watch where you go. Okay? There's some places you don't want to bring the Spirit of God. But every place you go, you bring the temple of the Holy Ghost. You bring the Spirit of God. Let's, let's recognize that. Guys, when we recognize that, all of a sudden, we'll see great things happen in this church, but we'll see even greater things happen outside the church. When I see the ministry of Jesus, you know his greatest miracles didn't occur in the temple. They occurred out in the marketplace. They occurred out in the world. Shouldn't we be looking for the same thing? If we carry with us the, the faith in Jesus Christ, if we carry with us the power of God from this place to other places, we'll see God do some great things as well. See, it comes down to putting our faith in Christ. It comes down to honoring God with everything that we do. A couple scriptures to consider. Ephesians 1 and 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. 1 John 1 and 9, one of my favorites. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Romans 1 and 17, the just shall live by faith. Thirdly, the believer shall live with Christ both now and forever. This is the third thing believers should know about our position in Christ. We know and possess absolute assurance and confidence that we shall live with Christ. Remember, I shared with you John 14. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That's a place in eternity. That's a place for all of us that have put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
consider 2 Timothy 1 and 10. But God's purpose and grace is now made manifest by the appearing of his Savior, Jesus Christ, who's abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Christ has conquered death once and for all, and he did it for you and he did it for me. Christ now lives forever seated at the right hand of God. And what is he doing at the right hand of God? He's making intercession for us. That should encourage you. He's making intercession for you and for me. Philippians 2, verses 8 and 9. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, whereof God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen? Now, let's finish up with Romans 11 through 13. Romans 11 through 13, read this. Likewise, it's basically a summation of what we just taught. That's why I'm including it in this little section. Romans 11 and 13. Likewise, reckon you also selves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. Just a couple things we need to realize, guys. We need to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin. You've got to make up your mind that I'm dead to sin. I'm no longer going to let it, let it rule and reign in my body. According to Scripture, I'm different. According to Scripture, I'm a changed man. I'm a new man. The way I used to do things has changed. Make up your mind and then act upon it. Amen? See, it all starts right here. Did you realize that every action starts with a thought? Every action, every sin starts with a thought. No, no, no. Yes, every sin, every action, both good and bad, starts with a thought. I remember a year ago, Brother Gary Sapp was with us, and, and I've never seen anybody explain it more simply than this. Good thoughts come from God, act upon them. Bad thoughts come from the devil, dismiss them. That's pretty simple, huh? I didn't say it as redneck as he did, because he's from North Louisiana. I'm not. But there's a fact right there, okay? Good thoughts come from God, act upon them. Bad thoughts come from the evil one, dismiss them. It's really as simple as that. And it starts with you realizing who you are in Christ and what you've been set free from. Amen? So that's why Paul says, reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. We count ourselves being alive to God, to walk in newness of life, to walk worthy of a high calling that God has called us all to. Additionally, you and I as believers must resist sin. You see, our first step to conquering sin is to count ourselves dead to sin but alive to God. But we still have a part to play. We still have to resist sin. So how do we do that? We don't let sin reign. That means to have authority, rule, control, prevail in our life. The present tense is used here. So the idea is a continuous attitude and behavior. You see, what you believe affects what you do. Okay? If you believe you're a new creature, you'll act like a new creature. If you believe that you're not a new creature, you'll act as such. We have to make up our minds that we're a new creature. We have to believe what we say. We have to believe what we read. We've got to let our faith become activated so that we can resist sin. We have a part to play. The believer is always to keep our mind off of sin. We're to keep our mind under the control and the, 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 the dominion 
sin dominate or control or reign in their mortal body. We're supposed to realize that, that God has given us uh, authority in that area. Also, we must not obey sin in its lusts. The, words, the word means a strong desire, craving, or passion. The pull of sin is sometimes strong, very strong. All men know what it's like to be tempted. We all have been tempted in some area or another, okay? Whether it be that amazing carrot cake that Miss Sarah made Sunday that I used for my final fueling. By the way, I just wanted more cake, okay? I, uh, um, you know, I, sometimes it's okay to, to, to give in just a little bit. That doesn't affect my spiritual walk. But there are some things that if I give in to, it would affect my spiritual walk. Because sin separates us from God. Sin comes between us and an intimate walk with Christ. And guys, it's never worth it. Let me share something with you as I close. The enemy always wants you to think short term. The enemy always wants you to think, what's the instant return? What's the instant feedback? What's the instant gratification? God wants you to think long term. God wants you to think what this one act can do between you and him, between you and others. How this one act could begin sending you down a road that goes to a place you don't want to go. God wants you to think big picture. The enemy wants you to think little picture. He wants you to think, I just want to do what I want to do. Guys, that is a road map to hell. You've got to do what the Lord wants you to do. A couple scriptures, Romans 13 and 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. 1 Peter 2 and 11. Dearly, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from, fresh, from fleshly lust which war against our souls. And finally, verse 13 just reminds us, do not yield to sin, but yield ourselves to God. Three things need to be said here. Earlier in the book of Romans, it said that sin is an offense and a disease in chapters 1 through 4. In chapter number 6, sin is described as a master or a ruling power. Sin is not destroyed in the believer. It is still active and can still injure us. The believer is to fight against its its pull. And finally, the body is not the source of sin, but the Bible says that man's experience proves that the body is the instrument of sin. It's where sin so often occurs when we give in to temptation. But guys, God says there's a better way. God says you don't have to give in to that. God says you can walk free from sin if you'll walk in Christ. I close with a couple scriptures. Romans 12, 1 and 2, talk about the importance of your thought life. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. God will renew your mind if you'll let him. How do we do renew our mind? We do it in prayer, we do it in worship, and we do it in the Word. Amen? That's how you renew your mind. That's how you get your thoughts on things that are godly and things that are truthful. Ephesians 6 and 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Last night, we had a uh, baseball game, and, and the game was kind of out of hand, and there was a young kid from uh, Abbeville who went up to home plate, Greg, and he forgot his batter's number. He's just moseying on up there, and he gets up there, and, he, and the umpire says, son, got to go get your helmet. Why did he make him go get his helmet? Because 
you know, we already told you, 100 don't know where he's throwing the ball. Could have hit him in the head, okay? But he wasn't properly equipped. He could have really got hurt. Guys, how many times do we go into spiritual fights not properly equipped? Okay? And the Holy Spirit's trying to play the role of the umpire and say, hey, hey, hold on, stop, stop. Go get some. And we say, no, I got this. I can handle this. Guys, you're overcomers. Not because of your experience, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from place of victory. It's already been paid for. It's already been bought. It's already been done. And here's how James sums it up in James 4 and 7. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Really pretty simple, isn't it? I love the way James sums things up. Submit unto God, resist the devil, and he's got to flee. It's really pretty simple, guys. When we realize who we are in Christ, when we don't forget who we are in Christ, and when we act accordingly. You can walk free from sin because you are dead to it. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in you, it dwells in me. Let's act as such. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your mercy. I ask right now, Lord God, that each and every one of us in here would just get a fresh revelation of who we are, our position in you. Lord, it's not because of us, it's all because of you. And, Lord, when we put our faith in you, Lord God, it changes everything about us. And, Lord, all of a sudden, we're no longer sinful, but we're righteous. God, we're no longer in the flesh, but we're now in the spirit. God, we're no longer ruled and reigned by the power of sin and death and hell, but, God, now we're ruled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reside in each and every one of us. And God, you would tell us the things to do. You'd tell us the things not to do. You would stay so very close to us, Lord God, so that you would keep us walking toward our destiny, walking toward the goodness of God, walking closer and more intimate uh, with Christ. Lord, I ask right now, Lord God, that each and every one of us would realize who we are and whose we are. We have been bought with a price. Now let us glorify, our, uh, glorify you, Lord, with the way we live our lives. Touch us today. Strengthen us today. Help us, Lord God, to continue to walk this faith journey one day at a time, leaning heavily on your grace, leaning heavily on your mercy, knowing, Lord God, that when we trip up, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator. We can ask for forgiveness, and we can get right back up and keep walking closer to you. Bless this group of believers. Bless this church and bless this community. It's in Christ Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, Amen and Amen.